Welcome back to Intrepid Lifestyle. I'm your host, Joe Lavelle, and I'm really looking forward to our conversation with another great thought leader who returns to our show to catch us up on the conversation of the future of football in America. We're going to get right to it today. We're joined by John Gertie, educational activist, author, and speaker. In addition, John's my brother-in-law, and more importantly, from my son's perspective, the guy who set all the records that Steph Curry broke at Davidson College. John, welcome to the show. Thanks, Joe. It's great to be here. Well, thanks so much for making the time today, John. Before we start a discussion, could you take a few seconds and remind the audience about you and your background? Yeah, particularly as it applies to the subject of football and the future of football in America. I'm son of a high school football coach. I, I basically grew up in a, in a football locker room. Football's had a big impact and influence in my life. Played basketball at Davidson College and some professionally and... Then I went into college athletic administration. I spent some, some time at the NCAA, three years at the NCAA, six years as associate commissioner of the Southeastern Conference. And I've written extensively about it, think a lot about the role of sport in our, in our schools and our culture, and uh, written several books about it. And um, actually, with the birth of our first child now, about 20 years ago, I, I left the uh, Southeastern Conference to be a stay-at-home parent and, and do a lot of writing. And as they got older, I had this opportunity to to sort of reinvent myself. And what I did was I did the research on cuts in music funding, music education funding, and at the same time, all the research about how effective it is as an educational tool. And I, you know, led a team that founded and I continue to run uh, an organization called Music for Everyone, which is our mission is to cultivate the power of music as an educational and community building tool. But there are a lot of similarities in that. It's, you know, people ask, how do you go from college athletic administration to music education and advocacy? And really, it's, I view both of them as it's more about education and community building and community vibrancy and, you know, both football and music. It's more about education to me. So, you know, when we talk about the future of football in America, so it's really not about sports. It's about, for me, it's about education, community values, public health, and economic vitality, and, you know, the impact of football on those issues. So that's sort of where I'm coming from in my background as, as, as it relates to the subject at hand today. All right. I appreciate it, John. I can't think of anyone more qualified to have this discussion about the educational benefits of sports versus music and the arts and other things kids can get involved in. Last time you were here, John, you told us that you believe there are some significant trends and changes that will greatly impact the future of football in America. Could you update us on some of those trends? Sure. First of all, there's no denying football's tremendous public appeal and and societal influence and impact. You know, it plays an important and and a really enormous role in our culture. That's not going to go away. I'm not suggesting that football's going to disappear. But there are some interesting trends that I think that are emerging that I think are going to really impact the influence of, of the game in our culture, and particularly in our educational system. It's important to note that there are a lot of impacts regarding football. So, you know, some are positive and, 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 and some are not so positive. And, and the key is, as leaders, community leaders, educators, 
that we do what we can to maximize the positive and, and mitigate the negative impacts, particularly in this rapidly changing world in which we live in today. The goal on this is to generate discussion and analysis by framing issues, identifying trends, and, and trying to predict and analyze their future impacts. The biggest change in the past few years and the biggest trend is really the issue of the link between football and brain trauma. You know, that's received all kinds of attention and it really, really has changed the the whole dynamic of the debate about the role that football plays in our culture. You're already beginning to see some of the impacts of this trend in that Parents are now having to make the decision as to whether or not they're going to let their kids play youth league tackle football. And you're already beginning to see some significant declines in youth participation in football. And I think those are going to continue. It is interesting to note that some communities have actually seen an uptick in football participation, but that's related to flag football. So I think one trend is you're going to see, number one, is the decrease in participation, particularly among youth, in tackle football, but you will see more kids playing flag football moving to the future. So that's the first big trend. Another trend is that the cost of football, okay, it's going to be increasingly expensive to sponsor, okay? You have a lot of really well-meaning people who are really trying to, working hard to try to make the game safer. And while there is some progress being made in that regard, all of those things that they're talking about, for example, increased medical personnel on the sidelines, better equipment, increase in risk or insurance to cover the increasing risk related to brain trauma, all of these things that we're trying to do to to make the game safer are going to cost a lot more money. And you're already talking about youth leagues and high schools and junior highs that don't make any money on football. So it's really going to be the whole issue of the increasingly expensive to play tackle football or sponsor tackle football is going to be something that youth leagues and high schools and junior highs and even colleges are going to have to grapple with. And again, the issue is, yes, you can make it safer, but at its core, it's a brutal, violent collision sport, and really, man's brain was not made to play tackle football. As you know, John, we have a 10-year-old boy, and I feel like you're talking right to me because we've set up the rule that he will not be allowed to play tackle football until seventh grade, so three more years for him. Fortunately for us, the Senior Bowl, which is located right here in Mobile, has started flag football in the last two years here in Mobile County and Baldwin County, and our son got to play football of any kind for the first time this fall and absolutely loved it. The Senior Bowl did a great job with the program, and I would bet you that the program's going to double every year for the next few years just because parents are seeing it as such a great alternative, to your point. To the other point, John, what's your perspective on some of these efforts of making the game more safe, whether it's helmet safety or more training for coaches. Are we making gains there, or is it all just fodder? It's really a matter of degrees, okay? Yes, there's more awareness of the dangers, so that's a step in the right direction. And there are some some equipment improvements and certainly medical training and coaches training and those kind of things. But to me, this is the issue. 
if even if you scale back the let's say for lack of a better term the the danger ratio or 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 index from a a nine on a scale of ten to a seven on a scale of ten you know is still is that enough because really at its core there is still a violent game a collision based game. And I don't think you're going to be able to, what is safe enough is going to be the question. Yes, there are some gains being made, but the question is, I think really at its base, at its core level, it is a violent game. And really, again, man's brain is not made to play football. So I think the issue of what's the appropriate level of risk is going to be something that's not going to go away. And again, you know, there's also a moral issue involved here, particularly within football conducted and sponsored by educational institutions. There's a role of our educational institutions to to strengthen brains or is to scramble brains. So I think increasingly schools, junior high, high school, and even colleges and universities are going to continue to have to grapple with this issue of, are we going to continue to sponsor this increasingly expensive sport? And are we going to sponsor a sport that really has such negative impact on brain health? So it's really, it's not only just a issue of increased expenses, but there's sort of a moral issue as well that parents have to struggle with and school administrators have to struggle with and community leaders are going to have to struggle with moving forward. And that's particularly true as it relates to our educational institutions. Okay, Now, as you well know, our high schools and junior highs are facing increased educational expectations regarding what constitutes an education worthy of the 21st century. That's a lot different than it was even 20 years ago. And all of this is occurring in an environment of declining resources. So really every dollar counts and the pressure on school administrators to maximize return on educational investment for every dollar is rising. So that being the case, every aspect of the educational system is going to face increasing scrutiny regarding whether it contributes to the educational mission in relevant and timely ways. So including football. So the question that parents and community leaders and educational leaders are going to have to ask is and continue to evaluate and analyze is what is tackle football's educational return on investment? Is it doing the things that we're supposed to do? And of course, this is all going on is the costs associated with football are going to rise significantly. So these are really tough issues that communities are going to have to face. And those issues aren't going to go away. In fact, they're going to become more important. John, the last time we talked, you pointed out that in Europe, sports are not tied to schools and they're tied to clubs. How might the club system work here in the U.S. for junior highs and high school? When we talk about the role and how we conduct elite athletics in the U.S., I think really that the Europeans have it right. Any kid, once you display uh, that you're successful or that you're going to be a good athlete, you pursue that excellence external to the school systems. In other words, through the private club systems. And the role of sport within our educational system or their educational system is to provide broad-based participation opportunities in activities that can be practiced for a lifetime for reasons of public health. So it's more of a public health sort of focus versus sponsoring and underwriting elite athletes. That's pretty significant in our country, given the, the issue of childhood obesity. 
the way our system works is we spend more and more money on elite kids while we push everybody else to the sidelines to watch. So essentially a lot of our, our sports are already beginning to do that. Like, for example, things like swimming, soccer, increasingly basketball, where the real good kids are pursuing their dreams and aspirations to be a top-notch player through the club system as opposed to through the educational system. So really, schools have to decide what's going to be the role of sport in the educational system. Is it going to be to spend increasingly large amounts of money on elite athletes while everybody else watches from the sidelines? Or should the role of sport in our schools be to provide broad-based participation opportunities and activities that can be practiced for a lifetime for reasons of public health. So that's why I really think we have a great model to work from, being the European model, and something that I think schools and, and communities should consider. You wouldn't necessarily be cheering for your local high school but you would be cheering for your community's sports team. Outstanding. And makes perfect sense to me, especially as you mentioned, John, the cost of maintaining these programs and the risk of maintaining these programs. I'm not sure how we can justify keeping them tied to the schools. But we started this talking about football. What's your take on the future of college football? How do you see things unfolding for the 130 or so FBS schools? Make no mistake about it. These are questions and issues that colleges and universities of all sizes are going to have to consider and grapple with. Again, it's all about educational return on investment. Are we getting a good return on the tremendous investment we make in football? Small liberal arts schools like Davidson is struggling with that issue, trying to figure out what the proper role for football is on campus. Division two, II, Division three, they're all going to have to, again, in- increasing educational expectations, declining resources. Is this money well spent? At the FBS level, the highest level, right now there's about 100, I guess about 130 or so schools. I think what you're going to see is that there's going to be increasing separation between the Power Five conferences and plus Notre Dame, so about 65 or so schools, and the rest. And already it's clearly the haves and have-nots. I did my graduate work at Ohio University, and, and they're both in the FBS, right? So Ohio U and Ohio State, but it's night and day. It's not even close. You know, Ohio State and Michigan and the Big Ten versus the Mid-American Conference. And you're going to continue to see that gap grow between the top 60 or so schools and the rest. So I think eventually the difference is going to be so stark, but you'll eventually have basically 60 or so teams that are are the top teams. And the other schools are going to have to figure out what they're going to do because they're having to underwrite Schools like Ohio University and Mid-American Conference, I mean, you know, universities have to underwrite to of 20 and $30 million, their athletic programs, to try to continue to keep up with the Joneses, the Ohio States and Michigans. And at some point, that won't be sustainable economically in the long term. So that's going to be one of the trends, I think, that's going to dramatically change uh, the face of college football. And the other thing that's going to change the face of college football is that it's going to become increasingly corporatized. I think you're going to continue to see a a separation of uh, distancing from the academic 
an educational aspect of the university as we talk about things like the athletes getting paid and maybe reducing some of their academic demands that they basically become more professionalized. And I think that trend is going to continue as well. So what does that mean for fan loyalty and supporting a team because it's supporting the old, old state U when they're going to become increasingly distanced from the core academic purpose of the institution. They're going to be more almost like auxiliary enterprises moving forward. Another thing that's happening is at some point, the TV money is going to probably dry up. The ratings are going down. The whole idea now with ESPN where, or cable, where you can offer slimmed down packages where you don't necessarily have to automatically pay for ESPN. I mean, they're losing a lot of revenue now. So it's the whole nature of TV revenue is going to change quickly as well. That's a great segue into talking about the NFL. After years and years of increasing popularity, we're seeing the ratings slip for the NFL this year. Do you think that's a trend that we're going to continue to see, or is it a blip in the radar screen? I think it's a trend we're going to continue to see for a number of reasons. Number one is that with fewer kids playing at the youth league level, there's going to be naturally less interest as they grow up. I mean, the biggest indicator of fandom for lack of a better term, is participation as a youth in that sport. Okay, so that's going to be a trend. I think that's going to continue. And I also, again, I think a lot of people are thinking twice about whether they want to continue to watch football due to the violence of it. Plus, kids are starting to play other sports as as youngsters. Soccer is increasingly popular in lacrosse and things like that. I think these are all things that are going to sort of eat into the popularity of the NFL. Is the NFL going away? No, it's going to still be tremendously popular. But I do think it's sort of strangleholds on American culture and entertainment will be loosened somewhat. But yes, it's not going anywhere. But I do think its popularity will continue to decrease. John, I'm sure you know you're putting a target on yourself calling out America's most popular sport. What's your end goal in all this and talking and writing about the downsides of football? Well, first of all, keep in mind that at the turn of the century, the early 1900s, the three most popular sports in America were boxing, horse racing, and baseball. So the notion that simply because a sport is the most popular sport at one time or another, that that can't change, history tells us otherwise. But really, at the end of the day, what this is about is that we can't simply put our heads in the sand and say things are going to remain the same and, and, and nothing's going to change. The, the reason why I try to bring these issues up, and particularly as it applies to the role of football in our educational system and, and at the community level youth league, is that these trends are going to have an impact. And therefore, we have to continually evaluate, consider how we're going to best utilize this resource and maximize its positive impacts, but minimize its negative impacts. We have to take an honest, open discussion of community and educational return on investment in football. We spend a tremendous amount of time, effort, energy, and emotion on this activity. And we have to make sure that we're still realizing positive benefits. If we take a hard look at it, an honest look at it, and we find, you know what? 
the investment that we're making in football in our communities, in our schools, is even more positive than we thought, well, then you know what we ought to do? We ought to invest more in it. But what if we find out that that return on educational dollar invested is not as strong as we thought it was, and it's not doing the things that we claim that it does? Then what does that mean? What do you do as a school, as an educator, or as a, a community leader if, if it's not getting the proper return on investment? So we have to continue to talk about this and openly and honestly and discuss it because as responsible citizens, parents, educators, and community leaders, that's what we need to do because football is tremendously influential. Uh, it has a tremendous impact on our society, and it will continue to in the future, but we just have to make sure that that return remains positive. And it's something that we have to continue to discuss because the world's changing so rapidly. It's something that as responsible citizens and educators, we have to do. All right. I want everyone to go right now to www.johngerdy.com. Bookmark the site. Keep up with John's great thought leadership and the efforts that he is undergoing to really educate America about this topic of football, how we're spending our money, and where we're getting the best investment. John, it was so great to have you. Thanks for stopping by and sharing your wisdom with us once again. I appreciate it. Thank you. All right. That wraps this broadcast. On behalf of our guest, John Gertie, I'm Joe Lavelle. We'll see you soon on Intrepid Lifestyle.